Welcome to Distributing Solar. We speak with entrepreneurs and experts working in the off-grid solar industry around the world, bringing to life how distributed solar is changing lives in emerging markets. Today we're speaking with Helen Davis from Future Pump. Future Pump is a manufacturer of solar-powered irrigation pumps for smallholder farmers. They offer farmers a cheaper, cleaner and more sustainable alternative to petrol pumps, improving the harvests and giving farmers the opportunity to grow and sell crops out of season. They recently launched a new pump, the SE1, which retails at $330 and can provide a farm with over 10,000 litres of water a day. Helen begins our conversation by telling us about Future Pump as a company. Future Pump is a manufacturer of solar-powered irrigation pumps. We have a factory in India and a field testing centre in Kenya, and we primarily sell to smallholder farmers in Africa, Asia, and heading towards South America as well, also in Nepal and Papua New Guinea. The business itself started in, in 2012. It actually came from quite an interesting background of the Practica Foundation in the Netherlands. And they designed a solar steam pump at the time. So it had a big metal dish directing light rays onto a, a mini boiler, which made steam and then pumped water. And this was at the time the most efficient way of pumping water using the sun, the cheapest way, but not maybe the most efficient. So then Future Pump joined in and our MD, Toby Hammond, he came across a video of this steam pump and thought that looks like it has potential for the market. We need to get that out there. So Toby started Future Pump to be that commercialization arm of that product to bring it to the farmers who actually need it rather than just having it in that lab. A few years later, the price of solar PV dropped so much that suddenly the solar steam pump wasn't actually the best price. Redesigning the pump to make it a solar PV pump was a more economical way to go. So that was a big change in the business really to drop that steam pump and move to the solar PV. That was in 2014. And since then, we've then gone through iterations of that solar PV pump to get to the SF2 that we have today. Great. So can you tell us more about the SF2? How does it work? What are the mechanics and how is it powered? How do you connect to a solar system? The SF2 gets sunlight directly from a solar panel to the motor. There's no battery, there's no inverter. So we have a 120 watt solar panel that then connects directly into the motor of the pump. And it's a reciprocal piston pump, which means that it's a, a surface pump and it basically sucks water up out of the well and pushes it out to the, the field using a flywheel yoke system. Um, but it directly works from the solar panel. So straight from DC? Yeah, it's directly from DC. Can you tell us more about why are these small surface pumps necessary for smallholder farmers? What is the problem that they're trying to solve and what are the options that current smallholder farmers are using instead? A lot of smallholder farmers in tropical regions are looking to irrigate already. They've seen the opportunity or the, or the need for their farm. Uh, in Kenya, for example, everyone is a farmer in some way, shape or form. They are either using manual irrigation, which can be a treadle pump or just simply pulling buckets out of the wells and pouring this water on the farm. Or they're using petrol or diesel pumps, which flood the land because they've got high flow rates, but they are expensive and fuel and also break down a lot. There are still a lot of farmers who are just waiting for the rain. So it used to be that you could base your farming on that rain cycle. So you could plant your seeds at a certain point. You know that the rain's going to come in the next week, but more and more the rains are getting more erratic, so they've wasted that seed or people have left their crops in the field a bit longer and suddenly the rains come and wash them all away. So that whole growing season is therefore wasted. 
the solar irrigation pump is basically giving these farmers a sustainable option for that irrigation. These farmers are wanting to, to improve their production, wanting to get the yield, but need a, a cost-effective and efficient way to do that. Can you tell us more about the economics of the solution? How much does a pump cost typically and how, how does the financing work as well? Our recommended retail price of the solar pump is about $700. But across the different markets, because we work with different distributors, they can set the price at what they want. But it tends to typically be around that $700 mark. For a farmer, this is quite a big outgoing, but the, the payback times can be pretty low as well, depending on on what the farmer's willing to, to do, how they're willing to use that pump to actually make money. So there's a farmer that we visited in Kenya, Vincent, and he he's a really entrepreneurial farmer. He started off with a tree nursery and then he was manually irrigating. He then invested in, in a solar pump through a finance plan offered by our distributor in Kenya, he got this pump on finance and was paying it off monthly. Since then, he's expanded his farm. He's not just selling tree seedlings. He also rents out the pump. The first time I saw Vincent, we were driving down the road and someone was walking along this road with one of the future pumps, solar pumps in, in a wheelbarrow. So we wanted to know why, why he was doing that. And it was because he had been renting it out to his neighbours. So for farmers in the area, he rents it out to a certain price and to construction workers and plumbers, he rents it out at a slightly higher price. And so in that, he was able to pay off the loan in just over a year or two and is now making that money just for, for himself. And he's talked about investing in a second pump and then he could just have one to be rented out. But even without renting out, the, the fact that you're not spending money on petrol or labor does make it pay back in in a fairly short amount of time and the efficiency in irrigation if you're not just flooding the land people tend to also head towards doing some more high value crops things that they wouldn't want to risk on waiting for the rain but now that they can time their irrigation they can they can take that chance on that that high value crop how does the price of a solar pump compare with say a, a diesel pump instead what is the price differential and um, what is the price of diesel because typically in a lot of the emerging market the the cost per kilowatt hour of electricity is much higher than what we would be paying in either the UK or the US because the cost of energy is usually higher so a typical petrol diesel pump in these markets for for the size of farm that that we're working with is probably two to three hundred dollars. This is about half or a bit less than half the price of the solar pump. But the petrol petrol prices, they change all over the place, but in the rural areas that are between one and two dollars a litre. And these pumps tend to tend to have a lifespan in the field of maybe two years. The price of getting that fuel as well is is time and cost. So people have to go out and, and get rent a motorbike to go out and, and get some fuel and then bring it back to the farm. So it's, it's not an ideal situation. If you have run out of fuel that day, you need to, to go in and get some at whatever price it is. And, and you can't guarantee that that the price will be good and you have, but you just have to because your plants need water that day. Um the future pump also comes with a five year warranty. So that a, a petrol pump at three hundred dollars but breaks in the two years and you have to buy a new one. A future pump you wouldn't have to buy a new one. So we backstop as the manufacturer uh, spare parts for the distributor and the distributor as, as part of their role is to to do the labor on on these warranty claims so for that five years you should never be able, never be without a pump for for very long at all and you shouldn't have to pay to fix it we also have a spare parts kit within the 
the pump box. So our idea is that the farmer is the, the most incentivized to fix their pump. They are the ones who need it on that field that on that day. So any any parts that are small parts that are wearable are included in that kit with the pump. And we are working to to see how we can train empower those farmers and train them into to doing those small fixes. And a lot of farmers are, are quite used to using petrol pumps and having to maintain them to certain levels. So there is that skill set on that farm already. And then if they have trouble, the distributor can backstop that. And then if, if there were something that even the distributor couldn't handle, then Future Pump will backstop that as well. So so really that five years, you should be you should have paid back that pump and be making money on it for that whole of that rest of the time. A five-year warranty is a great offering and probably quite unusual in the industry. Um, can you tell us more about your decision to provide that warranty and how has it been so far? First of all, we really believe in our product. We we think it's a robust quality product. We manufacture ourselves in India, so we have a lot of control over that quality aspect. And really that five-year warranty kind of comes straight from the the, we want to be able to tell everyone that. The, the pump is quality and it will it will be reliable for at least those five years. So actually making that statement on the pumps and telling the farmers that this five-year warranty, you will be able to at least have pump for five years is um, really important to us. A lot of times in the market, there are pumps or there are new products that come out to the field and they seem, they seem great. They seem like they're going to fix all these problems. The farmer invests in it and then it breaks and then they go out to look for whoever sold it to them and that person's disappeared and then suddenly left with this agricultural machinery or whatever it might be just discarded at the side of their farm and they can see it there as an investment that just was them wasting money basically. And that doesn't really help anyone. So they should, we shouldn't have this situation where people come in and give these products or sell these products that are supposed to be helping farmers and then and then just having them break and not backstop it that doesn't help anyone and if we can um, build a part of the market where there's a bit more trust in these products where if it were to break down in that five years that someone does come and fix it and someone does give spare parts and they're not charging people to have that pump fixed and people can carry on irrigating and have basically as little downtime without the pump as possible, then that's the ideal situation. And maybe it will help the whole sector if there are more companies that are willing to build that trust for the consumers. It's not fair if people are sitting there with a broken product. And that was part of the the reason behind this five-year warranty as well. And you've mentioned a bit about your distribution system and your distribution channels and how that works. Can you tell us more about what your your go-to-market strategy is or what your distribution strategy is? How does it work? You sell to distributors within each country and then they are responsible for getting their own customers and providing the service. Is that the way to think about it? Yeah, so we started off in Kenya selling the pumps ourselves. We were we were selling, we were trying to do our own finance plan. We were doing the after-sales support and we were selling in clustered regions in Western Kenya um, in order to, to be able to do all those things. But we realized that wasn't the way that we could scale and there are 500 million smallholder farmers on the planet and we're not going to be able to reach all of those if we're just in Western Kenya. So then we had to take a, a decision. Are we wanting to, to open more branches? Are we wanting to have staff everywhere? Are we want to go into different countries. 
are we going to have to open st- branches there, employ staff there? And also with trying to do an in-house finance plan, a lot of our team who have never had a background in, in finance and debt collection were suddenly having to collect payments from farmers and it was taking up a lot of time and we realized that there are people who've spent years of their life and their companies building up the ability to do credit checks and do finance and there are also networks of shops across a lot of countries that have they've already set up on that infrastructure they're already selling they already have the teams of technicians sales staff and so we thought we should focus on being the manufacturer we're good at manufacturing and we don't want to be a bank so we basically decide to partner. So our system works that there will be a tier one distributor in each country. So in Kenya, for example, we work with Davison Shirtliff and they have over 40 branches across the country and then they can have a tier two distributor underneath them. So that tier one has exclusive distribution rights over importing the pumps and then they can choose to sell onto that network of distributors underneath them. That distributor is responsible for importing the pumps, selling them and doing the after-sales support and also training the farmers, training their sales staff and also training maybe tier twos in the network. So we offer we offer the initial training for those distributors when they, when they buy a container of stock. So this has allowed us to expand across currently 15 markets, which we would not have been able to reach if we were trying to do it ourselves. And we are actively looking for more distribution partners in in all these markets and more in Asia and, and South America. Great. And can you tell us then more about your traction? How many pumps have you sold? You mentioned you're in 15 countries globally. What has growth been like over the last couple of years? So when I started at Future Pump four years ago, we'd sold, I think it was 68 pumps maybe. We then started selling from office in Kenya, the clustered pilots. And we did that for maybe a year and a half. And we sold a few hundred pumps in that area. Then we partnered with with our distribution partners. And, and since then, the growth has been almost exponential year on year. And we've now sold over six and a half thousand pumps across these 15 countries. So I mean, from my personal perspective of seeing that go from, from those 60 pumps to 6,000 pumps is amazing growth. And, and just one that Really, there, there is, we're no way scratching the surface of the potential for, for supporting small farmers with this, these irrigation pumps yet. So we expect the growth to continue going. Can we speak a bit about financing solutions? Do you provide a financing solution or do you leave that with your distributor to provide either a pay-go system or other financing alternatives? There's a GSM SIM card that's part of your solution. Do you use this to either switch on and off power? Is that part of your offering or um, are you focused on using it for, for tracking and data collection reasons? As you've mentioned, all our SF2 solar pumps have remote monitoring included in the MERS standard. This started with us wanting to to collect data, but also potentially have that pay-as-you-go option. So there is the hardware ability to switch that pump on and off remotely. You can send a message from our platform and and it will switch off in the field. But at the moment, we are primarily using it for data collection. So we can get a rough location of where the pumps are and also some data on the usage of the pump, which we can extrapolate and and see kind of roughly how many litres of water have been pumped and also whether pumps been used there's potential for us to use it for remote fault detection so if you can see that someone has been using that pump regularly and then they stop then that could flag it up to us that maybe we should check in with that farmer 
we're collecting current and voltage data and RPM of our flywheel. If there's a point where those things don't quite match up as they should using algorithms, then perhaps there is a, a small part of the flywheel belt, for example, that that needs replacing. And that farmer might not necessarily have noticed that the efficiency has dropped, but maybe we could see it through that data. So as I said, for the pay-as-you-go, we provide the hardware, but not the software side. So if we wanted to use pay-as-you-go, we'd have to partner with someone for the software side and taking that payments. And that's not something we, we really want to get into. So it's largely up to our distribution partners how they want to use that. In some of our countries, they use the fact that they could turn the pump off as a warning to the farmer. So they're not necessarily going to actually be using that for payments, but they're saying you have to keep paying this otherwise we have this op- option to turn it off. And that's done on the level of the tier one or tier two distributors within the country. So they yeah. are monitoring the repayments, they provide the financing, yeah. and then they have capability to switch the system off as well. Yeah. So they either provide the financing or they've partnered with someone who does that. But There is quite an interesting moral dilemma we often have with that switching off that pump. So it's a productive asset. It is the income stream for those farmers. So if someone hasn't been able to irrigate because, I don't know, there's been an illness in the family or there has been a climate problem, so their crops have all washed away and they've not got that income, so they can't pay that loan, then you switch off their pump, which is their ability to make the payments on the loan, then it's kind of counterproductive. It's not as simple as I think in a lot of the solar lighting markets, pay-as-you-go or remote switch-off has been fine. Like you switch off those lights and, and really it hasn't impacted the income of the people. It, it maybe has shown the rest of the village that they weren't able to pay their bill because their lights are all off. But ultimately, it's not really impacting negatively on their life. Whereas if you switch off that ability to generate that income, then really we're not meeting that that goal of of helping everyone sustainably irrigate. Given that you sell your devices to the distributors directly, do you request that they avoid these practices or do they share your opinion that productive assets are, are valuable to the end user and therefore if you switch them off, you're not really helping your repayments anyway? I don't think there's really an answer on that yet. We are quite early in the financing and pay-as-you-go systems on technology such as our solar pump is very new and I don't think that there is actually anyone currently uh, using that off switch to make their payments so there is that distributor who are using it as a, a warning but there isn't anyone who's currently using that actively it's just an option there and I think there's a lot more work really that needs to be done on around whether pay as you go and, and remote switch off is actually the way to go in these markets and for for these these technologies anyway. And yeah, I don't really have an answer on that at the moment, but no one's no one is actively using it. And maybe if we switch to the more technical side of the pumps, there's typically two categories. There's surface water pumps and submersible water pumps. Can you tell us more about each of those technologies and how they work and how they differ and, and why you decided to focus on surface water pumps? So I'm going to hope that I I get this right as I'm not part of the technical team. But um, so the main difference between uh, surface and submersible pumps is the way that they they get that water from the source. So our surface pump has to suck water up into the pump and then it can push water further on. So there is an actual depth that you can suck water from. So if you get to a certain point, the pressure that is created through that action of sucking water basically boils that water it turns the 
the gas. So I think that that is around eight to 10 meters that is actually the physical limit of being able to suck water up out of out of the ground. So a submersible pump is placed down the well and it's just pushing water up. So it's all, it's placed into the water. And then that means that that pushing action, you can push a lot greater height. So basically we've decided to, to focus on the surface water pump market at the moment because that is what our original product could do and is something that the development through our our research and development has been improving that surface pump for the, these years and it's a completely different type of technology to be just pushing water up out of, as a submersed pump than than the surface pump so that would involve a whole new set of research really we want to be sure of the quality of those products so it would be a different invention really so we haven't gone down that way yet and also there it's not that the market is lacking for surface pumps i think there's so much market potential still there that we want to to get this market and be 100% happy with the quality and the fact that we've we've got all these pumps and i understand that surface pumps are also significantly cheaper than the submersibles is that right it depends how you look at it because there are a lot of submersible solar pumps that are coming onto the market at the moment and they are coming on at cheaper prices than than our pump so maybe 400 500 dollars but if you look at the the cost per liter of water pumped then that's where the story is a bit different so we are aware that we we can't tackle that market of if you've got water de- deeper than 7 meters you can't have a surface pump so we would direct you towards someone who's got the, the submersible pump. But if you have that that shallow water depth, then our pump is more efficient on delivering that water to your farm. So it depends what your situation is as to which pump would be better for you. But typically, if you look at the flow rates of, of the submersible pumps that are cheaper, they aren't, aren't doing as much water. Maybe they've got a bigger PV array, but they're still pumping less water. So if you look at that cost per, per litre and you said, that you're spending that $700, but you're getting a liter per second of water, which is what our pump can do, then you can fill a tank a lot faster. You can irrigate more of your land. But if you have deeper water than that, then then our pump isn't the one for you. But those cheaper pumps, they might only be doing half that flow rate for that price. So is it really cheaper? That's where I think there is a lot of work to be done in the market of looking at that efficiency and deciding what it is that is directly suitable for that farmer. And and maybe it's it's a good time to talk a bit about the the social and environmental impacts of your water pumps. Have you been tracking the the, the social and environmental impacts? If so, how have you been doing this and, and what have you been finding? So we try to track these metrics. They're pretty hard hard to do, but our, our remote monitoring system from the calculations of, of water pumped and comparing that to what you would have been doing if you had a petrol pump. So I often think of it that there is a point in a a farmer's business life where they decide that they want to be irrigating. And there is that option to either go and buy a petrol pump or you buy a solar pump. And there is now that option to do that. So they had that money to be investing in a pump. So we have either replaced that petrol pump or we have stop that petrol pump from being bought in the first place. So this is where we can look at the litres of water pumped from our pumps and have a look at 
what liters of petrol would have been required to move that amount of water if that farmer was using a petrol pump. We've estimated over a 10-year life of of a pump that between one and two tons of carbon could be saved through just not using a petrol pump instead. So the social impact side is that a lot of a lot of irrigation is done by women and children on farms and giving the ability to to set the pump running and go and do do other work or even actually go to school or just take some time off in fact there's one of our farmers she she has a tree nursery and she was saying that they used to have to get up at five in the morning and start irrigation now she can let the pump run while she's doing other things she actually doesn't have to get up at five in the morning anymore and I think sometimes we kind of forget about that that impact as well that it's not just about that that farmer is now able to do some more work or do some more housework or they can do something else they can actually take a break and that's really important as well. So if you were flooding the land with a petrol pump, you have to really be there and pay attention to what's going on and, and watch it flood and then stop the pump because you're going to use extra fuel and, and you also have to do a lot of work. If you're doing manual irrigation, you have to physically be, be pumping. Whereas our pump, you can set it up with, with sprinklers and you set them into the ground. The flow rates are lower, which sometimes farmers are surprised by so compared to a petrol pump is maybe 10% of the flow rate but you are irrigating with free energy so you can irrigate for six hours in the day and the plants get a lot more delicate watering which is better for them and you can be doing other things whereas that fuel pump you need to be there and, and watch it so that ability to just set it up and go and do something else is um quite an impact as well in both in the environmental sense of of better irrigation but the social sense of of more time and ability to build the other sides of the business also that lower flow rate means that you're not sucking that well dry so a petrol pump you could suck all the water out of the well and then wait for it to recharge over the next few days ready to do that again whereas a a lot slower flow rate means that that well can be recharging at the point of of irrigating as well so that's better for, for that well recharge as well. What are the challenges you face around increasing the deployment of solar water pumps in emerging markets? What are the challenges going forward for you as, as a company? The challenges we face really at the moment is, is getting those pumps to those, those customers. We're pretty happy with our manufacturing. Yes, there will always be things that we can improve and make cheaper, but really we've worked on that for for years um, and, and we're happy with the product as it is now. The challenge is, is you've got it to that distributor and they have to then sell it to the end user. It's not like the the customers are, are easily accessible necessarily. These rural farms could be miles out of the town and they don't have addresses. They're, they're hard to find customers and also the current price is, is maybe a bit of a risk. It's a new product and it's a fairly high price and, and people are, are worried about taking loans on those things. So it's not, an, not necessarily an easy sell. Everyone can see the benefits of the pump when they see it working and they see the demonstrations. But ultimately, that price that it currently is at is not fitting the market or we don't think it is. So we, we work quite hard as the manufacturer. We kind of take a step into that, that chain as well that, that most manufacturers probably don't do that we do our own marketing we send 
leads to the distribution partners. So we work a lot through social media and Facebook and we're just trying to share the fact that there there is the solar pump and also gather those leads for the distribution partners to call and, and sell. But there is still something missing in there that but the volume's not going out the door. We get hundreds of leads every week and the sales aren't happening or not happening how we expect. And we think there's there's something really important there in the in the price that if you could get the price to say half of that, then you're in entering the realm of the ability to borrow some money from your friends and family or or already have that loan. Do you do you see a path to that in terms of the manufacturing side of things? Do you see opportunities where if, for example, you get a large enough skill or you are able to refine the technology with experience that you could eventually half the price in the future? Yeah. So scale there is a certain amount we could do if we got the scale but unfortunately we need to to scale we need to already get it out there we are actually about to launch a brand new product for our range we have a it's an economy version of the pump so that is basically integrating everything we could think of through manufacturing that would make the pump cheaper and putting that into this economy version so that that is going to be launched this year it is a smaller pump in in size so it's smaller and more portable and the parts are generally just smaller so that that brings a price drop for that where possible we've we've removed parts that that aren't necessary so this new version actually does not have the remote monitoring on it which is kind of a shame from the data point of view but perhaps is necessary for for getting that price as low as possible regarding the the price selling through our distribution network means that our distributors rightly put a margin onto the product so they have to handle the imports and they have to look after the five-year warranty so they are often adding a few hundred dollars so this is more of where the potential for the price cuts to be made so we we feel like with this new product we have basically done everything we can to make it cheaper and if we then give it to a distributor who then marks it up by a few hundred dollars then that all that work is is almost just wiped out by by that margin and we, we kind of understand what that is that they they put those margins on and that's what they put on all their products and they have these shops they have expenses so it's not that we're saying that the distributors are necessarily doing it wrong it's just a frustration from us from the manufacturing side that that that's happening and and then the sales are still not going through so we want to look at whether now there's more technology in the market, whether we could consider direct sales. So that would be would have a lot of challenges in itself. Um, I think over in in like the US and the UK, there are a lot of, of people going direct to, not manufacturers, going direct to consumer now. There are these networks and there's things like Amazon and you can kind of almost cut out the middleman. Like retail, unfortunately, is, well, maybe not unfortunately, is dying. And people aren't going to shops anymore. And, and those shops aren't able to make those margins. But in the developing markets where people don't have addresses, aren't able to, to just buy things online, then that, that is a tricky, a tricky market as well. But, but with, with technologies increasing and, and smartphone usage rocketing in these countries, then we think there's pro- possibly something really exciting that we could do there to get that product to the farmer for that, that cheaper price. Great. That sounds wonderful. Yeah, Future Pump hopes to become 
basically a, a manufacturer of, of several different solar pumps products and maybe maybe other solar products through our manufacturing facilities and then really work out how to get these products to the, the end users as cheaply as possible because ultimately our mission and, and the mission of I guess all of us in the sector is is to get those products to the end users it's not to to be paying those middlemen it's to help those smallholder farmers and bring sustainability with that. Well thank you so much Helen for joining us today. You're welcome. That was our conversation with Helen Davies from Future Pump. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us at distributingsailor.com. Our website has information about our podcasts, useful resources, and contact details. We look forward to hearing from you.